Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Evenings at 7 on Faith Radio. And a warm welcome to Afternoons with me. I am Bill Arnold. Thank you for joining us today. I hope your day's going well. It's uh, getting towards the end of the week. It's Thursday. You know, normally on Thursdays, we try to do our guy talk in the first hour and then the uh, amazing and beautiful queens of the round table. And that's what we have planned for you this hour, which I'm excited uh, for as well. So we have Rebecca Maxwell as part of the group and Rosie Browson and Kim Sanders and Beverly Canaris is the power panel today. So just like last hour, we're open to taking your questions, your concerns, your um, anything you'd like us to discuss, talk about, kick around, chew on it. We'll do all of that. So let us know what it is. 877-933-2484 is the number, or you can also email me, bill at myfaithradio.com. If that's easier for you to remember, you can ask any question that you would like. Let us know. We'll take 60 seconds and bring on the ladies. I'm Neil Stavum, manager of Faith Radio. You know, this is the season when harvesting is underway, and we can see the clear connection between sowing and reaping. Now, thanks to so many of you who have sown or continue to sow into this ministry with your prayer and financial support, because of your gifts, we're experiencing continued growth as more people have the opportunity to hear the gospel through added FM signals. So be a part of what God's doing through Faith Radio and keep the message of hope available with a gift today at MyFaithRadio.com. Worshiping the risen King together. Faith Radio. Welcome to the show. We're so glad you joined us today at the amazing and beautiful Queens of the Brown Table. So we have Lady Talk, and we're just uh, open to anything and everything. So let us know what uh, you'd like us to talk about, 877-933-2484. We're still getting some nice comments about some of the beautiful singing that went on in hour one, which was completely impromptu and uh, just heard from... And unrehearsed. Unrehearsed, too. Uh, David. <laughs> Sorry about that. David ch- chimed in and said, uh, how wonderful for your guests to sing a hymn on your show. So very cool. We can learn so much about our Lord through hymns, mm. which is so true. Absolutely. Yeah. It's great. So, and that's part of why hymns were are so long lasting in our brains. That's part of why they're created. I think not only to praise God, but also to educate and encourage each other. And when you get those melodies in your head, it it does have the effect of uplifting the spirit through the music and through the that combination of poetry and and scripture. Many many times. So. That's a great way to worship God and even pray at night if you just lay in bed. Sometimes, um, just sing a hymn. Yeah, it brings you into the presence of God. It does. 
Unless, That's why it feels unless so we're good. all singing with oh, you, because no. that was a different panel. You're not going to ask us to sing, are you? Because it's going to be like yeah, the chicken story. Yeah, we're all a little worried. Now. Yeah, you guys don't. You don't want to sing? No. Nope. Okay. No thanks. What are we going to do for the <laughs> next hum. hour? We can yeah. hum. It's going to be an awkward yes. hour. Yeah. <laughs> this is what happens when we didn't didn't get the plan. Right. Yeah. We'll, we'll be yeah. silent singing. We'll yeah. be doing silent karaoke over here. All right. Let me start with this question. Um, how would you help a friend who's in a crisis of faith? We get that quite a bit here on on the show. We get listeners that chime in, and they we had one last hour. Just but, I, I know I'm I think I'm saved, but there's no fruit in my life, and and I just feel like I'm in this crisis of faith. Well, don't you think we we hit that often because it's a human condition? I mean, I love the saints of the Bible that give us all these examples. Moses was uncertain with his ability. You know, um, Job said, "It'd be better that I die than suffer." So, to me, I think the crisis of faith needs to start in figuring out what the cause is. And if you can isolate the cause, then then you can mine a little bit deeper, don't you think, ladies, on on where it might be coming from and what your solution might be and how you can invite God into that wounded place? Asking good questions mm-hmm. is always the great place to begin when you're face-to-face with someone who has a crisis of faith. And to show love and compassion and acceptance of them and not be in a judgmental seat that... Yep. Um, oh, this is bad, or this means this, or this means that, because you really don't know. You haven't walked in their shoes. You haven't experienced what they have. So good questions um, in a compassionate, loving atmosphere is a place where that could be explored. I think that's one of the best things that you can do is to just accept and not condemn that they're in this place of questioning, because I think that there have been situations where people have encountered that, and it it is human nature to be... Questioning. I mean, I, I sometimes think about, you know, uh, Mother Teresa was obviously a person of faith, but questioned and doubted mm-hmm. throughout her entire ministry. And we think of her as somebody who's solid on what she believed, right. but she wasn't always sure. She just was walking in faith. And that is what faith is. It's not necessarily knowing, it's believing. It's believing. And I think being honest with yourself that you may have doubt and yet you walk forward and you walk through it. Billy Graham had great doubt until, um, I think as the story goes, he just was in the woods with the Lord and questioning. Um, He had a lot of contemporaries that were questioning scripture at the time. And he just said, okay, Lord, I accept it by faith. And then he just walked that out. So I think um, what what I get frustrated with, I think for when we're with each other, is that the enemy gets so much time making us feel bad about ourselves because we have questions where the Lord is knows all those things about us. He's he's okay with our questions. So the self-loathing that comes out of doubt or that you don't have enough faith is um, what troubles my spirit. And that's where I think as friends, we can walk in and encourage. And it, there's a difference between faith and feelings. Mm-hmm. And sometimes what you're really dealing with is feelings and not truth. Truth always comes first. And then there can be the faith. And then, you know, feelings is supposed to be the caboose. Um, They're going to come and go, and they're kind of tagging along, but they should never lead your life uh, Mm -hmm. feelings. And um, just because I don't feel the Spirit doesn't mean that today He's not with me and in me and mightily working. Feelings, 
Yeah, they're, they're really not to be trusted. Mm-hmm. Bev, I love that because the verse that came to my mind when we we're talking about faith is Hebrews 11.1. 1. Faith is yes. the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Those are very strong words. Mm-hmm. And, and it points to the reality of faith. It's not just ex- having a feeling or an experience or chasing that when we don't have it. Right. Because our faith is not determined by our feelings mm-hmm. and, and nor is it demonstrated by our feelings. It's the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We're fixing our eyes on the unseen, and that's what it means to walk by faith. But that doesn't mean that we're chasing thin air or that our faith is on shaky ground when those feelings come and go. Rosie, mm-hmm. you and I were, were talking about the difference between faith and feelings. And so I love that you brought that up, Bev. That's so cool. Absolutely. And, and that's where I think, you know, our experience and our walk with the Lord has so many different dimensions. And he uses our heart and he uses our mind. And when one is overwhelmed, the other one can take um, can take the lead. And, and so that's why I always think that it's so important to be prayerful in your journey with the Lord, to, um, to be listening, but to also understand the Word of God. Because the Word of God is not as tempted with feelings. I mean, when you're feeling unsure, you can go and he's going to say, you're my child, I have died for you. I mean, there's always a, um, a balance of inputs when you're walking with the Lord. And so to have one that's way too high, you know, you can always go back to Scripture. It will always bring you foundation. Can you think of a time you, you struggled in, with your faith and had doubts and, and what you learned from that? Absolutely. Oh, I, I know. Have, I have a, one. Do you have one? Like, you, do you want to say first? Go right ahead. <laughs> uh, when Gary was diagnosed with terminal lung cancer, I was um, up to a wall with all the diagnosis um, diagnosis is that three oncologists had said, they had said, get your you know affairs in order. Rosie, you're in denial. Gary's not listening. And I kept on going back to scripture. And I was very clear that not everybody who asks for healing receives it. I, I wasn't, you know, in a pretend place, but I also knew that I had to stand on the word of God, regardless of, of what my output was, regardless of the end result, that God was sovereign, but I had to stand there. And that was certainly a crisis of faith because he was so sick. And I was saying, you know, Jeremiah thirty-one seventeen, I believe is, your will is to bind our wounds and heal our diseases. Psalm 103.3, you know, you forgive our iniquities and heal our diseases. And I was standing on that word, but yet he was losing more weight. Doctors were saying he was getting sicker and sicker. So yeah, that was a huge crisis of faith because I had to deal with the fact that Jesus is not Santa Claus. He asks us to to stand in what Scripture says to stand in, but he is sovereign, and we have to leave the results to him. And so that was a huge crisis of faith for me, for sure. And then let us know how Gary is today. Oh, he is healed, a medically diagnosed miracle. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah. And and we lost nine friends that were also praying in faith to cancer during that same time. Mm-hmm. So it was, crisis would be an understatement, Bill. Wow. Truly, it was hard. Truly. Mm-hmm. I think I came to faith through a crisis of faith because I grew up going to church. And um, I, I think everyone that grows up in church at some point, if they're going to have a real relationship with Jesus, has to have some sort of moment where it becomes your own, it becomes real. And I, I remember having these moments when I was probably in early high school, realizing I had all these friends who were also attending church, but hated it, thought it wasn't real, didn't believe any of it. We're just trying to be a good kid for their parents, whatever their reason was. Maybe they didn't even, they weren't even trying to be good. They were just getting dragged there against their will. And I remember 
the struggle of, well, I, I actually like going to church and I believe all these things and I'm, I want what God promises for me, but what if, and struggling through those things and having conversations with people who were not in the same place of faith at all helped me to really start to believe for my own self and realize too, that it's not, it's not something that everyone believes well said, Kim. I like that. Let's take a little break right now. Let us know if you'd like to uh, join in with any questions or, or comments, 877-933-2484. Or you can email me, bill at myfaithradio.com with a question or something you'd like us to talk about. We'd love to hear from you. We'll take 90 seconds and be right back. back with the ladies and they're outstanding as usual i have high expectations and they always meet them makes me very happy so we're talking about a time you struggled with faith and what you learned from it i think bev you're up next yeah there's been many things but i guess what i'd like to share today would be a time in my life where i went through a major depression and by major depression i mean for maybe three or four months it was hard for me to function hard for me to make any decision I was still teaching the Bible at that time, but I would go teach Tuesday morning and collapse, you know, the rest of the week until I dragged myself back up on Tuesday morning again. And it was a crisis because I had a lot of um, messy stuff I hadn't dealt with with the Lord. And the Lord was like um, bringing me to a point of being leveled, of being um, still, of searching my heart And I really discovered some pretty ugly things in there that needed to be cleaned out if God was going to continue to use me anymore. And that was unforgiveness. And I was really functioning, and without even realizing it, I was functioning with the assumption that God loved me conditionally as my family loved me conditionally. So I had transferred some of that to God. And as I lay there on my bed, a big blob, not able to do anything. Um, I just heard him whispering in my ear, and of course I didn't hear a voice, but this was what was he was speaking to my heart. And he said, see how you look right now? See what's going on? I love you just like that, in your bed, unable to do anything, totally weak, can't serve me, can't do anything, can't feed your family, can't make a decision. I love you unconditionally. And that's what I needed to learn. And the unforgiveness, I had a um, a brother who sexually abused me, and I thought, oh, that's in the past history. I've forgiven that, moved on, moved on, moved on, and I hadn't. And it, it was like it just happened to me. And so God really used that time of that crisis, and, and he brought me to a point where I had to face um, some pretty dark areas of my life. Well, that's very vulnerable. Thank you. Rebecca? I think it's it's the pain that sometimes there's there's the Lewis line about how God shouts in our pain, that pain is the megaphone that he uses to communicate to us. Sometimes other things just dull our senses or we get lost a bit, but it's in those moments when you have to question what is real, what can I truly stake my life on, because that's what faith is, and sometimes it seems riskier than other times. Maybe that's why those questions 
crop up. And the term crisis of faith implies, okay, there's something that's that's cropped up that I couldn't have expected that is hard for me to understand. And that may look different for different people's circumstances. Maybe it's a question from a professor in a classroom that you never considered before, or maybe it's a really scary diagnosis, or maybe it's death um, and complete, you know, tragic circumstances. And And I think they those questions can be ongoing. So that's something that I've discovered speaking that truth in scripture over and over again, even when it doesn't feel true, like knowing that God will work all things for good according to, for those he has called according to his purpose. Sorry, I mixed up the phrasing in Romans. We were just talking about that too. I should know that verse, Bill. Sorry. Um, and it doesn't feel good in some of those circumstances and struggling with i'm i'm staking my life on this being true lord is it really true can you confirm to me again that it's really true and that i'm not failing in some way that it's not dependent on me being good enough that if i do this wrong am i still getting this right are you still faithful and remembering God's faithfulness in the past is one of those big things that, for me at least, that, that scripture teaches us because it allows me to get outside of my immediate circumstances and showing God's faithfulness generation after generation. When we are faithless, he is faithful and he proves himself over and over. And that's what's been helping me, as our audience knows, this last summer has been a really hard struggle for me and for my family and it, it does kind of feel like a crisis, but it it drove us deeper into the word and into, especially into the fellowship of God's family. And that was another big thing for us too, is being surrounded by other, not that other people can believe for you, but that other people in faith are encouraging you through those hard times and recognizing God's love through God's people as well. So in in the quiet moments when he speaks to our heart and brings those words and those hymns and his faithfulness to mind, as well as bringing other amazing Christians around you, I think that can really help as well. I agree. Beautiful. And, and crisis is never a loss. Crisis can be um, the very fruit that strengthens your faith all the more. Mm -hmm. If it's never tested, how do you know? How does it grow? It needs the resistance to grow. So there's always that hope when we're in any kind of crisis of faith, that this is really meant to, to nurture us and to help us to push through some more soil and to grow deeper and deeper. Mm -hmm. uh, Graham Cook always says he has something that's lovely that he, I don't know if you guys know who Graham Cook is, but... He um, he always says that a crisis you're getting an upgrade in God. And that's good. <laughs> Isn't that good? That's good? So think of your crisis and those dark nights that you're yeah. getting an upgrade. Mm. That He is upgrading you and your spirit to be closer to the Lord. I think too, a crisis will give you compassion for others. Mm -hmm. If you've never had that kind of a crisis, or you don't have to have the same crisis, but if you've never been through the fire, you have very little time and. Um, Compassion, that's the best word for others. Or, and you're not as willing to give grace either mm -hmm. if, if you haven't had some of those things. So it does refine our character in a beautiful way, a way like who Jesus is. What do you need a little bit more than you like to admit to? Is it important that you are appreciated? Yes. 
<laughs> I appreciate Something you, Rebecca. To, thank you. Something I've been meaning to talk to you about. Oh, oh. Here we go. Oh, here we, we are. Should, we should let the, the two of them work this out. Yeah, right. yeah, we'll just step out. I'm just Let's kidding. Let's talk about yeah. feelings now. Uh, I know, for me, I am in, uh, don't like that I need as much rest as I need. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I think that depends. You know, the gifts that God has given each of us, they all have Achilles' heel, and so where God's given me gifts that I depend on and can be a high achieving in, when I need rest, I'm I'm realizing, oh my goodness, it, it's hard for me to a, actually do it and b recognize that it's requirement <laughs> with the Lord. <laughs> you know that He's requiring me to rest and come under His wings. And what, what does be, rest mean, Rosie? What rest. do you mean by rest? Does so, it mean you're going to bed earlier? Does it mean you're getting quiet with your Bible? All of it. Okay. You know, all of it. And I think ultimately rest means it's an active verb. Rest mm-hmm. means that you are staying, to me, that you are staying under the protective wings of the Lord. That means you're trusting him. You're not walking in fear. You're saying, you have enough for enough energy for me today. Um, if I If I need to stay home or because I'm sick or something, you'll cover it. So to me, rest has several different um, attributes, I suppose. Some of it is, yeah, I need to go to bed earlier, or yes, I need to go take my dog for a walk and everybody else can figure things out Mm -hmm. um, on their own, or rest is I need to show up and believe that God is ahead of me. He's my front guard and my side guard and my rear guards. And so it's accountability to worry or fear or anxiety that might have crept in. So resting and that he's Lord. So to me, there's a lot of outputs and if you're too busy, you're not thinking about them. So I'm pretty aware lately that yeah. I need to be resting in him more. Nice. What about you, Kim? My thought was um, I need help more than I would like to admit. Like you, just in general, in life. Like I want to just I, I want to just do it my way and by myself. <laughs> and I, uh, I, need, I need to allow other people in. I'm I'm a private person and and I don't like to be vulnerable in my weaknesses and and I like to think I'm capable of doing a lot of tasks on my own and in reality I think God is asking me to invite others in into the work that he's given me because it's not just my job, you know. Mm-hmm. It's it's a we are in a community of faith for so many reasons, but one of them is that we don't, you know, I think you can put yourself up on a pedestal. It's like, and I did that. <laughs> and in reality, we we were used by God who did that. Mm-hmm. You know? Right. You got straight A's in fourth grade, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> Why did I know that? Why did I know that? I think sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth too, right? Yeah. 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 What about you, Bev? Anything come to mind? You know, what came to mind was appearance. If we're really going to be vulnerable here yeah, today, um, I would say I, I wish I didn't care so much about appearance. Mm-hmm. I wish I was one of these gals that just would get up, wash my face, do the ponytail thing, and never even think about makeup or just grab my, you know, uh, my pull-on tights again and my sweatshirt and just, I'm, I'm good. I'm good to go. I don't even think about it, but I wish I didn't think about it so mm. much. Re- Rebecca? I'm really grateful that Bev is willing to hang out with me, even though I'm probably the polar opposite of her in terms of fashion sense. I love you, Bev. I'm so glad you're here today. Um, I I think I need to learn to let go a little bit more. So I know that's a bit of a twist on the question, but I've discovered what I thought I needed, which was control. And what I've been, what has been revealed to me over the last several months now is that I 
I think I'm in control and I'm not. And so what I need to be is more dependent and reliant on God and on others. So I, like. I thought I needed control. I don't. All right, let's take a little break. We'll come back lots more with the ladies. Let us know if you have a question or issue you would like us to discuss. We're open to anything, 877-93-FAITH or bill at myfaithradio.com. We'll be back in 90 seconds. Queens of the Roundtable are in session. Rebecca, Rosie, Kim, and Beverly. So let us know what it, the questions are you'd like us to discuss. Here's one that just came in from a listener. A non-believer asked me, what does it mean to find Jesus? How would I best describe that? Great mm-hmm. question, by the way. It's a great question because isn't that to speak to Christianese? Yeah. We all are like, oh, I was saved by Christ. And when you're talking to people who might not know what that means, I mean, it's I love that question. It's perfectly gets right down to the rawness of, of Christianity, really. Yeah, very exciting if someone asks you that question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it really is an open door for the Lord. But first thing I might say would be, we don't find Jesus, Jesus finds us. Mm. Um, he's the one that calls and draws us and teaches us who he is, and we come into a relationship to him. So um, I think we need to kind of have that mindset. If if this person is feeling a drawing a desire to understand what that means and who he is, that's a beautiful thing. And that and it shows that Jesus is finding her or him uh, and is, is working in, in that life. So that's a very exciting thing. We find Jesus by meeting him personally in a relationship, by knowing what he did for us, dying on the cross for our sins, ra- raising them to uh, resurrection life, guaranteeing our own um, life eternal. And when we believe that my sins were nailed to the cross on my behalf and that he is my Savior, that's where we find Jesus. When, he, when the, what he did on earth for us was on our behalf, we own that personally. Um, and he offers it to us first. He teaches us. He draws us. So it's really Jesus finding you. That's a good answer. Would it be fair to say that it's almost more like you're finding a relationship or establishing a relationship? Like finding Jesus might not actually be that great of a phrase. I don't he's think not that, hiding. Right. He's right. kind of actually <laughs> available to you wherever you are. Um, yeah. Not that he is, you know, I don't want to get into like the worship of creation as its own God. But um, I mean, not that we're going to be able to change Christianese now, but from mm-hmm. this radio station today, but yeah, <laughs> but it is kind of a confusing phrase. And you could say mm-hmm. instead, you know, you think about like, oh, I, I'm now friends with Rosie. Mm-hmm. Like I didn't find Rosie. <laughs> I well, started kind working of, if you with went her. down into the hole. I suppose if I, if I found you at the end of your hall where your right. office is. Right. But I mean, <laughs> it's a weird way. I wouldn't say that about, I mean, I guess the closest to saying like I found a husband, but even that's weird. I just, you know, I, I guess whenever I hear questions like this, no matter how they're set up, I think your personal, how it happened for you is the best explanation because you're speaking mm-hmm. from your heart. And I know for me, I grew up in a Catholic home and I had a lot of experience and knowledge of Christ, but it was in my car one night when I said, okay, I believe that you're God. I believe that you're alive. I believe you died for my sins. I am done trying to question, push, do it my way. I am surrendering. 
and I want to see you alive in my life. And it was that simple. And then the power of Christ came on me. That's there's no other words to explain it, Christianese or not. And I was deposited with an unspeakable joy. And so a joy even in crisis. And so I, I think the best way to help somebody who is asking that of you is to explain how God met you. And, and because the sincerity and the transformation of your own life is going to be such a witness. And then you can say, and if you have more questions, let's open up scripture right. and you can right. be that friend and word. that guide. Mm-hmm. And um, here's a podcast that might help. And, you know, you know that person, are they intellectual? Are they more um, empathetic or, you know, who are they? You'll have vehicles so the Holy Spirit will bring it for you just by your own example and your love. It sounds like maybe this person heard that expression mm-hmm. about finding Jesus. Um, it's like Tom in the last hour wanted to know what an Ethernet was. He didn't know. <laughs> He's just looking for a definition. Yeah, yes. I mean, so that's okay. obviously his last time on the show because right. you know, how can yeah. you not know what an Ethernet is? But you know, sometimes you hear things, so you go and ask a Christian, "What does it mean to find mm-hmm. Jesus?" Right. Another listener jumped in. Is that like finding Nemo? I mean, it's not. It's, <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, it's mm. it's not. But if I mean, it causes curiosity, then there's some good in it. If it causes that. curiosity, yes. yeah. That's, I think it's an open door to come alongside that person right. and, and see if they're interested. You know, if you really are interested, um, let's get together and talk about this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'll share my experience. Rosie, I think that was great, just sharing your own experience and being able to share the gospel in a brief uh, way um, with people and then the offer to, you know, read scripture together. Yeah. Isaiah yeah. says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. And the cool thing about that is that God is near now. Mm-hmm. He is near. Mm-hmm. Revelation 3, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with him and he with me. He will have fellowship with us. He, he is near. Now is the time. All right, here's an interesting question from a listener. Nice segue, Bill. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you. And I'm not sure if this is from a man or a woman, but here's the question. What do you need from your Christian husband, but don't ask? Ooh, but don't ask. Hmm. Gary's in a really good spot because the first thing I thought of was, ah, nothing. Wait a minute. Nice. (laughs) Gary's good, right? Right now. (laughs) Marriage mentors, Rosie. Well, yes, <laughs> right. But maybe it's connected to my day, maybe days. it's connected to my earlier question about mm-hmm. when I said, "What do you hate to admit you need more of?" Mm-hmm. Yeah. So maybe it's uh, maybe it's connected to that question. Maybe not. But um, can you think of anything that you would maybe like more of, but you just have a hard time asking? You know, I I can think of when I was thinking quickly and and thought of Gary's in a really good spot because I don't really have. I couldn't find a quick answer. Yeah. My, my first thought was, oh, but you've been in crisis in your marriage, Rosie. You know, where are the time? And I think if I were to go back, um, when I had wanted more for Gary, it was more love, awareness, love, um, filling, because you get very trans, you can, marriage can be very transactional mm-hmm. in busy seasons. And so it's, it's not um, that love wasn't present, but just I, maybe I see you and love you. So maybe it's, I see you as the woman I, I met and married, not the mom, not the career woman, not the sometimes feeling like a maid when you're, you know, <laughs> cooking and cleaning and everything no. else. No, never that. <laughs> but, you know, you take on these different roles of yourself. So I think in times of crisis of our marriage, I think I would have loved Gary to say, I see you, the woman I married, my bride, you know, like an acknowledgement of that initial love. 
That's lovely. I would say like more time that we're praying together because we ask each other for prayer and we'll pray over one another. But I do think it's different when we sit and put something that's not ourselves out in front of us and God and pray together towards that one thing versus like, I'm going to lay hands on you and pray over you. And then we switch sides. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So I think that that's just something that we just, it's hard to be intentional about until you make it a habit. Hmm. Ever Rebecca jump in. I can't think of anything more that my sweet husband can add, but can I tell you what blesses me? Yeah, sure. Um, It blesses me the way he has a heart for the Lord and people and how I see him seeking the Lord. And it, it just encourages me to keep seeking the Lord. You know, we get up in the morning and we we read our Bibles together. We we, we share that. We pray together daily. And um, he is the spiritual, my spiritual leader. And I look to him uh, for so many things in that way. But even today I had on my mind, I, I walked by a place in the living room where he says his prayers and I I just saw him there. And I thought, it's such a beautiful thing. I'm so grateful. Lovely. This is going to sound really practical after all of that, but sometimes <laughs> Sorry. I, I thought that there, there were times when I would take on more of the chores and more of the household work. And like you said, Rosie, it can become a little transactional, but somebody's got to do it, right? right? And I expected my dear husband to recognize when I was in over my head, when he might be able to step up and volunteer for some of the help and just sort of see that and know naturally that he would volunteer. It is okay to ask for help <laughs> with <laughs> some of those tasks. And he just honestly didn't see it, didn't recognize that I was in the middle of a project, needed help, or dealing with all the kids all at once, which happens sometimes. Um, you know, it's okay to ask. And, and hopefully men are open to that, that it's it's just a division of labor issue. Sometimes she needs you to make sure that there's dinner ready or mm-hmm. that, you know, that the kids are where they're supposed to be. Or maybe you can pick your daughter up from basketball practice today so that she can get something else done. And so it's okay to have that uh, that discussion. It's okay to just be open about that. But maybe as a guy wanting to be a caring husband, maybe just looking for those opportunities and saying, hey, is there anything I can do to, to help out and make what you have to do today a little bit easier? How can I how can I help and, and how can we partner together? Well, and don't you think, as I'm listening to everybody's responses and we're all at different stages of our marriage, um, I'm wondering if it's seasonal. Mm, you probably. know, goodness sakes, Rebecca, you your hands are very full right now. And our house is very loud. And your house is <laughs> very, very loud. Dirty. And I have, I'm sorry. I, <laughs> and I have boys that are 19 and 22. And, and Kim, you don't have children yet. And I'm a grandma of 10. And you're a grandma of 10. So I just, I think I wonder if it's seasonal, it Bill, that we have different desires and needs that we would unspoken probably to our spouses, depending on the season of life that mm-hmm. we're in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is your communication style with your girlfriends um, similar to your communication style with your husband? In some ways, yes. Yeah. I think when it's, you know, we're enjoying each other's company and having fun and on a date night or whatever, yeah. it would be similar to a time when I'm just having lunch with my friend and yeah. we're going around to a shop or whatever. But when it comes to more serious things, I think mm, there's probably a difference because yeah. I have a, obviously a much more intimate um, and deeper relationship with my spouse than yeah. with my friends. I think what I'm trying to get at is, do you give the same level of details to your husband as you would your girlfriend? 
He probably gets more from me. He gets more. <laughs> he okay. gets more than your girlfriends? I'm like, heck to the no. I try to shorten it up as much as I can. And just get right to the point, right? Right to the point. Yeah, Less is more. Yeah, they don't want the play-by-play, do they? They just want the point? I am learning a very uh, a lot here. <laughs> I think it depends on... Um, on uh, exhaustion level. It depends on what else is going on. Sometimes Gary and I on a walk and we'll both chew things to both sides of the curd, you know, for an old expression. But other times if he's tired, I just need to get right to the point. You know, we don't need to analyze it three or four different ways. We can, you know. Well, I have a lot of different things that I share with girlfriends and I have some really dear close friends that I share most things with, but I don't share everything with friends. Mm-hmm. There, are, there are certain areas of life that it's just between Paul and I and and I think that that feels right to me. So girlfriends, we love to talk, have fun. We share most things, but um, there's a lot of things I share just with Paul. All right. Are there certain words or phrases in your relationships, your marriages, with um, that are just certain phrases, words that are just off limits? Well, Divorce. When, that's mm-hmm. what I was just about Divorce. to say. Really? Yeah. Never yes. use mm-hmm. the D word. Never we, use it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We talked about that before we got married. It was like, I'm in this. Yeah. We don't use that word. It's no. not even a joke. Yep. No, no, mm. exactly. And you don't use it in anger. You mm. Never, never has it been brought up. Hmm. I, I don't know if I agree. I think um, our marriage has been at difficult points, Gary's and mine, and not that we said I want a divorce by no means, but... We are getting very far apart and we don't want to go towards divorce, Mm -hmm. you know, and identifying that there is a separation and we've gotten far away from each other. I I don't know in my life anyway, we had to call it out. And Mm -hmm. so not be, but not saying I want a divorce, but saying this is why people get divorced is we need to bring this back to God and, and, and do some healing with ourselves. So seems like your heart's in the same place though. Oh, that your intentions, your, your intentions are very clear that you don't want. Right. And that we wouldn't, but let's be real. There's Mm -hmm. a lot of Christians who walk down the aisle of marriage and end up divorced. So Mm -hmm. what is the best way to apologize and who should go first? Ooh, I think if you're a believer, you go first. Because you've been forgiven, Christ has the expectation that you will forgive. Um, sometimes I'll admit and ask for forgiveness or, or say something, um, or if there's been a little spat or whatnot, I try to speak up right away and say, I'm sorry, I want it over with as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think I have maybe a little story that we're, that proves you right, Bev. Um, my husband and I are, are both Christians, but um, I had... I was in the wrong in this specific instance. I had come home and something had happened at the house that I was not expecting. And I reacted in anger and I didn't understand the situation as well as I should have. So I recognized my own fault. But then, you know, as things do, things can get kind of heated and it turns into an argument. And so my husband made the statement, you know, you didn't understand what was happening here. And I said, you're right. And I'm so sorry. And he goes, why did you have to apologize? <laughs> I was on a roll. <laughs> I <know. laughs> but I knew I needed to, I knew I was yeah. wrong. Yeah, and right. I need, and it immediately just deflated <laughs> the, everything, right? the, the volcano I, that Gary was about has, to happen. Yes, totally. Gary has ruined so many mads by doing exactly that. Where I'm like, <laughs> I have justified anger. He's like, I know you do. And I'm so sorry. I'm like, Darn it, and you're making me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're taking a little break. So you got the beautiful and amazing queens of the round table. Let us know if there's a issue or question or anything you have for us. 877-933-2484 or bill at myfaithradio.com. We'll be back in just a minute. 
Welcome back to the show. The amazing and beautiful queens of the round table are here in my studio, which I love. So here's a question from a listener. How do I encourage my wife who feels like she is not enough? I would speak scripture over her, probably. And you don't have what, to do what that. What passage in... of scripture? Goodness. You Just, speak truth. Just speak truth into, <laughs> speak truth into yeah, her speak life. Yeah, speak truth into her life. Speak what God says about her. Yeah. I, that's what I do to myself when I feel like I'm not enough. I mean, yeah. mm-hmm. and it doesn't have to be real formal. And you don't have to have the, ma- the passage memorized. But the idea, the, the gist of it is good enough in those situations, I would say. Mm-hmm. I like. Mm-hmm. I know in our household, um, dealing with uh, self-loathing or self-hatred, I have you know, my two sons, and it hits men just as equally as it hits women. And so we've kind of come in our family um, to a discussion point of what are you hearing inside your head? What are the lies that you are believing? Can you articulate what you're feeling or hearing? And sometimes if they can't, we make some suggestions like, are you hearing that you're not going to be successful? Are you hearing that um, somebody is more handsome than you or beautiful than you or whatever it may be? Are you hearing that you're, you know, all these different things? And sure enough, we've all heard the same lies. I think every human has faced self-loathing or self-doubt or self-hatred. And that's the beauty of the transformation of Christ, right? In us is that we start believing what he tells us and he transforms us and, and we fight against those voices. So I would just ask the questions of what are you hearing? Because let me solidify through scripture and what I see in you. And that you might, can we entertain that you might be listening to some lies? Yeah, I never look at, look up at a full moon on a crisp fall evening and say, wow, am I incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I never say that. Yeah. So I, th- I think sometimes we just have to point people back to the awesomeness of God. Right. And you'll start to think of yourself a little bit less. Mm-hmm. And you'll start to picture who you are and who he is. And that's maybe one way. Mm-hmm. And, you, and you would think that's the opposite Right. Mm -hmm. You would think, well, we've got to build this person up. But really, Christ has given us a new identity in him and it supersedes any um, identity issues that we have concerning ourselves. So whatever I might believe about Beverly, um, I have to believe what he says about me and what he has done for me and how he has intervened in my life. I have to believe that more than what I think about myself. So. Um, again, not pointing them to the Lord instead of to more inward looking. I would also ask them some really good questions. You know, you know, what triggered this? Um, is Was there a trigger somewhere? And, and very often it can be compar- comparing ourselves to others. And I think that's easy to do, so mm-hmm. easy to do. And all of a sudden you do feel less, but it's because you're doing the comparison thing and not looking at what God has given you and your unique calling on your own yeah. life. Comparison it, is such a killer. It is. And I think, too, um, when Kim said start praying scripture, so much happens um, on our knees, not necessarily in front of the person. Uh, Matthew fifteen thirteen: all plants not planted by God shall be uprooted, so saith his son. And so if there is a plant of self-loathing or whatever memory or wound that that is, she's taken on that that prayer of authority in the name of Jesus Christ that He gave us to say moves mountains, and it moves mountains on the spiritual side, stuff that we don't get to see. But God's asking us to participate, nevertheless. I don't know if this is a verse that might help in that situation, because one of the things I I was wondering about 
may or may not apply. I may be unqualified. Uh, but <laughs> all those things could be true. Say it, say it anyway. And yet. <laughs> and yet. And yet. I, I know sometimes that can be related to a performance-based lie that mm-hmm. says that if I don't do enough good things, I am not good enough and therefore unworthy of love, whether that's your husband or God himself loving you. And scripture calls that out for the lie that it is. Because as you were pointing out powerfully, Bev, earlier in the hour, God loves us without our ability or capability to do enough or anything to earn it. He loved us first while we were his enemies. And so the verse that comes to my mind is Zephaniah 317. That's one of those books we don't read too often, but it's got some good stuff in it. And This verse says, the Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. And that is is a beautiful picture, I think, of God as the mighty warrior who is also just so joyful. He loves you so much. You can see the smile on his face and he is singing over you because of how much he loves you. I mean, what a picture. What a picture picture. of his approval. And, you know, some of this might be, uh, the root of it might be to seeking approval Mm -hmm. and not getting it. Um, And so, you know, as a husband, I know the husband asked this question, I would say affirm your wife verbally, affirm her gifts, affirm her calling in the Lord, Um, read scripture together, pray over her, and um, set her free. Just say, you know, I'm going to, I want to set you free from this. We can only do this through the Lord. And as your groom, as her groom, you can model God's love. As the groom rejoices over his bride, so God re- will rejoice over you. I think it's in Isaiah. Um, but but you get to be the model of that as opposed to maybe maybe slightly scolding. Sometimes that can happen. Like, well, why don't you think you're good enough? And I tell you, you know, you you should know by now. And And maybe just reminding yourself to let those thoughts come out in love and to reflect your love and how you really see her and that's a picture as well of God's love. Ladies, we're doing church in here today. <laughs> Woo, I'd, like, amen. I'd like to now I'd like to now call the ushers forward for tithes and offerings. Put your hat away, Bill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, great question, and probably this only question we're going to have time for. Um, I'm searching for the best way to study the Word. Any advice? I feel so consumed with the busyness of life, children, marriage, work, home. How do you find time to study the Word? I love this question. Oh, make time. You're too busy if you're too busy to read God's Word. There's always five minutes. I remember when I started uh, my daily time with the Lord um, years ago, uh, so many years ago. I'm not even going to do the math. But uh, a woman challenged me to do it five minutes a day. Uh, five minutes a day, three and a half minutes reading the word, and then the rest of the time in prayer. And it was called your seven up. And that that started me in a lifelong habit. So I think start small and ask, get a plan and a time and a purpose and a place and go for it. Mm-hmm. God's waiting to have you listen to him. I, I like to hide scripture in other places in my life as well, because then when you do feel busy and maybe you have that desire to be in the word longer, but you, you f- at this current junction can't 
can't fit more in or it feels that you can't fit more in. So it's like my phone screen has a, a scripture on it that I'm memorizing. I'm working on that. And so when I'm standing in line at Target, I'm memorizing scripture. And I've got post-its all around my house. And I, did you know that whiteboard markers work on glass so you can write scripture on your <laughs> mirror you in your bathroom and you just hide it in your life? Not that it's hidden from sight, but it's in places other than the book that you carry with you, your Bible. And that way you're you're soaking it in no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing. It might be literally 10 seconds, but it's getting something. It's well, getting something. Yeah, Kim, I would, I would say that that's a system you have in place because every day you get up, you make coffee. Every day you brush your teeth. Every day you have things you do systematically. And if you start to put scripture in, in that with your system, when you mm-hmm. go to make your coffee in the morning and you've laid out right in front of the coffee pot a piece of paper with a, a Bible verse on it, you're going to start your day that way. Well, and I think, too, the word study seems heavy if you're busy. It seems like one more thing to do. Right. And I know that the Lord found me in my busiest time of life, and I read, I had to read, this is very embarrassing, but I had to read Mark five times before I started getting it. And so everybody's like, oh, do Bibles, do it, you know, Bible in a year. And I thought, I, I can't do that because I'm not comprehending it. And then I just thought, okay, I'm just going to do what I can, which I had to go slow. And I did, I had Bibles all over my house, you know, in the car, whatever, but I I didn't leave a book of the Bible until I felt like the Holy Spirit had opened it up for me. I think too, having some accountability, do it with someone else, Mm -hmm. maybe just text a verse back and forth with a friend or, Mm -hmm. um, you know, record uh, how much time you're actually exposed to the word uh, Mm -hmm. daily and share that with someone else. Thanks for your testimonies, your strength, your witness, and all of your great wisdom. It's been a wonderful hour. It's gone fast, hasn't it? Oh, fast. so fast. Doesn't it go fast? Very fast. Yeah, that's what I thought. And thanks to the guys who were here for Guy Talk and uh, the ladies who uh, made this just a great hour. Rebecca and Rosie and Kim and Beverly, thank you so much. Been thanks, great. Bill. Uh, yeah, thanks. For thanks. Having us. thanks. Been great uh, being with you today. And I don't know if you are um, got something heavy on your heart, but uh, just... Think of what the Lord will do for you, because he will do it for you. Just take your concerns and cares to him. He loves you, and we love you. Uh, So thanks, and have a great night. I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.